Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Payne and Pendergast. Into the 7 o'clock hour we go. Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610. All right, here's where we are with the Texans head coaching search. We're going to circle back to the playoff action this weekend. We did a deep dive on the Chargers and the Jags, but there was a lot of good games this weekend. Um, the, uh, the three candidates who have interviewed thus far are Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who I'm really beginning to like, uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, who we're going to hear from momentarily, and Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles as well. The two Eagle coordinators interviewed this weekend. The ones we are waiting for are, and I, I don't know that we've even heard that interviews have been accepted with most of these guys. Thomas Brown, the assistant head coach for the Rams, I saw reports that he's interviewing this week. The Rams are not in the postseason, so he's available to do these things. Yeah. Um, the other four candidates who have had interviews requested of them, but I've not heard yet, um, what the situation is. And if you've seen anything, feel free to bring it to our attention. Ejiro Avero, the defensive coordinator for the Broncos, who Seth did a little recon on this weekend and really likes. Um, D'Amico Ryans, who we're going to hear from here shortly, who I think is the favorite in the clubhouse for a lot of Texan fans. Sean Payton, who's a total wild card. And with this Charger meltdown over the weekend, there's a lot of Payton talk with the Chargers now. Yeah. And yeah. then um, I'm missing, oh, Mike Kafka. Who I don't know, you know, Giants offense, Giants OC, and after yesterday, I know a lot of people uh, are excited about him after watching what they did to the Vikings yesterday. Yeah, the big question is, yeah, is Dayball is Dayball the one that's uh, that's turned Daniel Jones into viable NFL quarterback? Is it Kafka? Is it a combination of the two? Right. I mean, it's always some combination of the two. Yep. But um, I wish I wish Josh Allen had like. Josh Allen's had a very good year. He's just got these curious interceptions um, that are kind of plaguing him at this point. But, uh, like, if, if Josh Allen had either fallen off a cliff or if Josh Allen had actually gotten better, then you'd be able to know for sure whether, okay, okay, Dayball was overblown. Sure, great, he might be a good head coach, but he was over, uh, over, overrated as a but, – but you don't necessarily have that clarity. No, no, you know, even, with the, even with the curious turnovers, Allen is still a top-five quarterback. Um, Sean Payton, I'm uh, – the thing that I started thinking a lot about this weekend was whether I really want to be giving any coach a 10-year contract right now. Jim Crane has me appropriately <laughs> nervous about shackling myself to a 10-year deal right. for anybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's with, that's, with a, that's with a young man who's relatively healthy. Peyton's 59. and uh, Likes to I mean, party. No, no spring chicken. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Well, yeah, they were calling – Terry Bradshaw was calling him – what was he calling him during the pregame? He's calling him like the uh, the food cart or something. Oh, he was. I didn't see and that. It, yeah, and I, and everybody's like, "Whoa, that's Terry!" If Terry's calling you fat, and he and Peyton does look a little heftier. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I don't. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned that he's let himself go to the degree that he has. Okay. That's why Mike McCarthy's about there. If Mike McCarthy were fighting Trim, he wouldn't have his job on the line right this moment. That's how Jason Garrett stayed there forever. Look That's at him. true. Looks like That's could, true. Looks like you could run 50 miles across the Serengeti without dropping a sweat. Right. What's the key to you keeping your job? Pilates, of course. Yes. Yeah. All right, so we want to hear from a few of these guys, Seth. So what do you got for us here? What's a, what do you got uh, on the Apple I've card? Got, um, I've got <laughs> – all right, I'll do, I'll do D'Amico last. Uh, first, let me just give you a little bit of Shane Steichen because our friend uh, Tom Middlescreen had said that he thought that Steichen might have a little bit too much of a timid personality. I watched some press conferences. I watched some mic'd up. I don't know if timid's the right word, but he's definitely not bellicose. This is just a nice little uh, description he gives of what Jalen Hurts is like he, as a worker. He doesn't leave the building. Like, this guy is here all day, every day. Uh, all he cares about is football. And when all you care about is football, you're, you're going to be successful. Um, 
and that, and that's what he does. It's it's all he thinks about. He never takes days off. I mean, he's always working. Shoot, I was on Friday. You know, we met after practice. You know, this past week, and I'm walking through the weight room. You know, four o'clock, and kind of everyone's gone, and he's in there working. You know, shoot, last week he was. Yeah, I don't remember what time it was. Maybe eight o'clock at night, and he came up and said, "What's up?" and Gonna go home and get some rest. I'm going in the weight room and get on the bike. He doesn't stop. Okay. So um, he, uh, I gotta tell you, he's got kind of a, he's kind of tall and uh, you know gawky a little bit. There's a, I get, I get a little bit of a Nick Foles vibe off of him. Off a psychic personality and and appearance and everything. Yeah. And the fact that he's he's, uh, I, I've been watching him on, uh, you know, wear Eagles gear. Yeah. So uh, I I do love the fact that he's done incredible work with Jalen Hurts and mm. in integrating all of those pieces together up there. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on him yet. I need to watch more. Maybe I need to, I need to get more. I don't know if I, I don't know if he's got that general's personality. Um. Talking about an actual general, not a fake general. Like right. Right. <laughs> a nickname general. Um, yeah. Well, sorry. Uh, okay, here's where I'm a little nervous. And this is yeah. this is where I'm still a bit scarred from the Bill O'Brien era. Oh, you think it's going to... We've had a head coach who's been able to get snowed over by guys who show up early and stay late before. Oh, oh yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for him to talk about Jalen Hurts taking some weightlifting equipment out of the building and bringing it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he actually looks the part. He actually, I, like... <laughs> it's a glitch with me, not Steichen or Hurts. I'm just telling you, like, I, yeah. I, I'm nerv- well, I, 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 I nervous. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, Jalen Hurts actually... And, uh, here's the thing. It's not like he's trying to claim credit for uh, for Jalen Hurts being a hard work either, by the way. But like, okay, we've we've seen the video of Jalen Hurts squatting, however much it was, it was five hundred pounds, whatever it was. Like, this is not like Nick Martin taking the weight room equipment home and okay. then coming back looking like he looked. It, this was this was this is you know him describing a guy who's a known really hard worker. <laughs> I'm just picturing the weightlifting equipment in Nick Martin's garage with cobwebs on it. And dust. <laughs> I took it home. I took it home. Yeah, like I was, like, I said I was going to use like, it. I guess everybody who ever bought a Peloton must be like have three percent body fat. Yeah, and off in the Pyrenees as we speak, right. competing in the Tour de France. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, he took a Peloton home. <laughs> wow, uh, that's something, isn't it? Ooh, he, he's hashtag on that grind. Yeah. Um, Plus, yeah, yeah. He brought it home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was Jalen Hurts is at the facility? He, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but it, that, that gives you a little taste of just kind of what his uh, personality sure. is like. I don't think he's like an overpowering personality. Which is, guys like Tony Dungy and others have done it without being overpowering personalities. But it's uh, it's like a short quarterback. It's the exception, not yep. the rule. Yep. Yeah. All right. What do you got from our friend D'Amico here? Okay, for D'Amico, and I apologize, my my I can't get my computer to work on the Jonathan Gannon, so we'll bring that a little bit later. Okay. Um. Okay. So I'm watching the game. Uh, the 49ers game on Saturday. And one of the key moments in the second half that helped seal the game for them was when their defensive back, Lenore, got an interception. Lenore has been picked on a lot this year. Every time you turn on a 49ers game, it's uh, it's Lenore getting beat for something. This game was interesting because DK Metcalf actually finally had some success success against uh, uh, Charvarius Ward. But Lenore is the guy that people are worried about. So Lenore gets this interception, and the announcers described how D'Amico had been handling Lenore, and and I loved hearing this. Defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan says he's talked to Lenore about the fact that teams are going after him. He said, look, don't look at that as a negative. Don't take that personally. Look at it as a positive. You're going to have all these chances to make plays. Ooh. Ah, okay. Yeah, glass half I love, full. See, it's it's the uh, the psychology of mm-hmm. it. There. Like there's a there's a guy that knows how to tap into what a player needs and how to handle him, how to handle guys through adversity, all that stuff, which is you know exactly what so many people believe about D'Amico. Joe, you know Nick Bosa. Uh, Nick Bosa has called him the best coach he's ever had. Uh, last year, Nick Bosa said he he'd be a a head coach within a year uh, easily all like guys really really like D'Amico Ryan's there both for what he can do for their scheme and I think just the way he has with people how much does it help that he was a really good player when it comes to credibility on stuff like that do you think does it matter I think it you know the thing is I don't know how much it helps even with 
with current players because it's not like D'Amico was you know a defensive player of the year or anything like that. He was a he's a really good and solid player. So I think it is more about his personality. Guys who did guys who played always have a kind of a natural advantage in terms of credibility with yeah. with players. But I think that it's more it's less about how good he was as a player now as it is just that I think he gets. He gets his teammates. He gets players. He's just a. He's just a. He's um. He has a way with people more so than anything else. Is he still your favorite right now on this list? He's, yeah, he still is. Um, Gannon, I'm intrigued by, and Gannon, Gannon is very, like he almost feels like he's from Philly in a good way, not in an annoying way, not like in a pick on mattress Mac type of way, but just like a. You know, kind of carries himself a certain way. Like, oh, look, we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're gonna beat the crap out of some people, mm-hmm. and um, and we're gonna focus on the things we need to focus on. Uh, and his defenses, especially this year, his defense has been very, very, very good. Now they have very good players, yes, but um, we all know how that goes. Same for D'Amico. You know, D'Amico has very good players. I think that if you look at D'Amico, one thing that that defense does very well is they're very disciplined in disguising and keeping offenses off of kilter. And I think some of that's an offshoot, perhaps, of just being around Gary Kubiak and and Kyle Shanahan and their attention to detail and the deception side of things. So one of the reasons that those guys, um, that those good players on the 49ers – can play as well as they do is because they they surprise a lot of quarterbacks. They they their blitz quarterbacks get blindsided by blitzes all the time because they just do not see it coming. Dude. And and that's a direct offshoot of the defensive coordinator being in control. Oh, Evero. So Sean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Evero <laughs> is the Broncos' defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered a reason I got excited about Evero. Out of nowhere. Yeah, I want to hear this. Okay, so this is the crazy thing about Evero. Evero was a coach for 12 years in the NFL. Uh, this is his 13th year in the NFL. This was his 13th year in the NFL. Uh, so he, he'd been an assistant a long time. Had been with San, uh, had been with the Rams for five seasons, and four of those seasons were as a safeties coach. In his final season, they moved him to defensive backs overall. And then this past year, he takes the job with Denver to be their uh, defensive coordinator. So. He doesn't have any experience as a defensive coordinator, so they bring in some older guys to help him out. One of those guys is Dom Capers. Mm. The other guy is Bill Kolar, former Texans defensive line coach. Oh, yeah. And a, and a Broncos defensive line coach for a while, too. So And he was in the league forever. Uh, so that was intriguing. Um, and there they were some shots of Evero working with Dom Capers that were really good when I watched his mic'd up. But the, the really fascinating thing about that Broncos defense is if you look at their coaching staff, they had, of their five main position coaches under Evero, they had a total of seven years of NFL experience. Wow. Yeah, like a very, very young staff um, that Evero was in charge of. And the, what people always say about him is just he knows his business cold. And and he's just a, he's a very good communicator. He harps on communication all the time. Um, so I think, and that's one of the things that Capers was talking to him about is the importance of communicating certain things to him. Um, but that comes up over and over again, the communication side of things. But if you look at the Broncos' stats, there's a little bit. It's a little bit askew if you look at their end of the year stats. And I'm not going to completely excuse the last three games of the year, but. They did have a Nathaniel Hackett firing where things got really wacky at the end. Right before their last game where they got blown out by the Rams. So that's a big, that's a big if that I'm throwing in there. Because they got blown out by the Rams, a bad football team. But up to that point, as of December 22nd, they were number three in points allowed per game. They were number five in yards allowed per game. Uh, the offense at that point was dead last at 15.6 points per game. And... Five of that year's losses came up to that point in games in which their opponents had scored 17 points or less. Like they had they had no help from the offense. None. The excuse I'll give him for the last three games was the the multiple injuries, guys on IR, street free agent signings that they had to play with, practice squad guys that had, that had been elevated. It feels like it just kind of 
finally caught up at the end. They had done a lot of that really good work with a whole lot of backups um, and with a lot of street free agents. It just the, – the accumulation of, I think – the offense being so bad, Hackett getting fired, all of that just kind of snowballed into an abomination of, a, of the last three games. But they were very good defense up to that point. We got a translation from our Spanish-speaking listeners, Seth, on that um, Espanol call of yes. the uh, Riley Patterson field goal. Ben, can you play it one more time? Can you, uh, can you find it? Just give me a thumbs up when you have it. Um, so we, we were playing it to compare the energy of that call to the complete – lack of energy and comatose nature of the Al Michaels call of that field yeah. goal. Um, here was the Spanish-speaking call of the game-winning field goal for the Jags. Aquí está el juego. Aquí está la historia. Y está dentro. Está dentro. Patterson le dice, no hay, no en mi casa, no con mi gente, y no en mi cara. All right, so the translation, I'm piecing this together from multiple text. This is for the game. This is for history. It's in. It's in. Not in my house. Not in front of my people. <laughs> Play it one more time. Play it one more I time. I love that guy. I do too. Aquí está el juego. Aquí está la historia. Y está dentro. Está dentro. Patterson le dice, no hay. No en mi casa. No con mi gente. <laughs> Not, this is for the game. This is for history. It's in. It's in. Riley Patterson. Not in my house. Not in front of my people. <laughs> Turn to, to Al Michaels. It was uh, pretty much. Yeah. Play, oh, yeah, play, hey, do you have, do you have Al Michaels? That. Yeah. Play Al yeah. Michaels. This was Al Michaels. The exact same play where that announcer was screaming his lungs out. Here was Al Michaels. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marking. And they call it on the defense. Unbelievable. Uh, that, it, that is unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't think. Okay, the problem there is okay. I don't even think they were talking about the finish being unbelievable. I think they were talking about the flag. Yeah, like that, there was, that somebody had jumped off sides. Or, it was, it, and for somebody to, if somebody wants to make an excuse and say, "Well, the flag made things more complicated," no, 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 no. The flag should be building suspense. Right. That's where it turns into. They've they've apparently won the game, but wait, there's a flag, there's a flag on, the on the play. Yeah. If this uh, if this is a false start, this will not hold up. Something like that. Um. It was I, – I don't know if Thursday Night Football broke Al Michaels. I don't think that a lack of energy has been an issue with him as no. he's gotten older. There have been times where he's not as sharp as he used to be, but whatever, you let it go because it's Al Michaels. This um, – I, I think it I, – I think there might have been something about doing a, – A, doing the broadcast with Tony Dungy who can uh, – he, he could – suck the energy out of a jumping beam he just it's uh he's he's not an energetic person no and, no and then also maybe a little bit of the oh i'm i'm back here on the old network and um uh al's off with mike trico mm -hmm. and i'm here with tony dungy uh, oh collinsworth I, I yeah chris is off yeah with him, or, i'm yeah. sorry yeah collinsworth yeah. is off with uh with mike trico yeah and yeah. They, they gave me this. I, I bet he thought that when he came back for these playoff games, he was going to be getting Chris Collinsworth. Mm, well, and he got stuck with Tony Dungy. That's, that is a come down for sure. Um, all right. Uh, Payne and Pendergast with you. It is a reaction Monday. Um, we're going to circle over. We've talked a lot of football. The Astros were busy, busy, busy this weekend. They got agreements with six of their eight arbitration guys. It's the two that they didn't that had me a little bit nervous, and I will explain why next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Real quick, trailer, wheel and frame, text page. Someone is asking, we were playing some audio from some of the Texans head coaching candidates, and 6028 says, what do you all think the timeline is on the Texans coaching staff? Nick Casario said on our show last week that it'll be at least two to three weeks. And that was yeah. that was as of Wednesday of last week. So it's it's nothing that's going to happen, you know, by Thursday this week or and, anything like that. And, and to give a frame of reference, because I know I saw when you had tweeted that that some people were concerned that it felt like the Texans were dragging their feet again yeah. and going to be the last coaching hire made. That's that aligns with about the normal timeline last year. The hires were all made from between the 26th, 26th or 27th, and February 7th. Yeah, from uh, from January 27th through February 7th last yep. year uh, was when all the hires were made. So that still would put us, you know, the the 27th would be right around the two two week mark or so. Yep. So um, so be patient, buckle up because it's going to be an interesting ride over the next couple of weeks. Um, the Astros were busy doing stuff this weekend. They were busy shuffling some papers around. By paper, I mean money. Um, they had eight players who were eligible for arbitration. And uh, the way arbitration works is you can reach an agreement with the team and not have to worry about it. If you don't reach an agreement, then player submits a number, team submits a lower number, and then they leave it up to an arbiter to choose one of the two numbers. They don't split the difference. If it goes to an arbitration Hearing, six of the eight agreed to deals highlighted by Framber Valdez, who gets one of the biggest bump ups from year one to year two of arbitration. Most players go through arbitration three years, so Framber is in year two. He gets bumped up from three million this year to six point eight million this year. And I will say this: if Framber is this coming season what he was last season, six point eight million is one of the biggest bargains in all of baseball. <laughs> So it's just the way it works. He's not going to get the yeah. big, big money for another couple of years. So Fromberg gets $6.8 million. They got Ryan Stanek signed. They got Jose Arquiti signed. They got Mauricio Dubon signed, Philip Maton, and Blake Taylor. Um, of those guys, Maton and Stanek are in their last year of arbitration. They'll be free agents after this year. I wouldn't mind seeing a Ryan Stanek deal get done at some point. The two players who are going to go to arbitration, it would appear are the two that I think a lot of folks would really like to see the team arrive at some sort of long-term agreement with, along with Fromber. Kyle Tucker and Christian Javier both going into their first year of arbitration. So they've submitted their numbers. I saw people upset that the Astros, who are are not currently operating with a general manager, uh, not a named general manager, I saw people upset that those are, hey, those are two of the guys that you really need to be, you know, showing some respect for what they did. I I think that for one, I mean, this is the way arbitration works. The two sides, you know, if you can't come to something, then you get a then you go to arbitration and it's settled. So ultimately, it's not that big a deal. Some teams used to be super dirty about it and try to make guys look like they're being selfish and not accepting the numbers or the offers. So I think that if you want Kyle Tucker or Christian Javier to sign long term deals, then the Astros kind of being hard playing hardball in, in arbitration is a means to that end. If Kyle Tucker is making a million or two less than he'd really like to be, it, it theoretically makes it that much more tempting to take a huge huge cash grab right now. Yeah, the numbers are... He just got um, married, man. He did, yeah, yeah. So he's. Uh, I, so I hope he wins his arbitration. He needs that extra two and a half mil. But here are the numbers. His wife leaves him because he loses his arbitration. <laughs> I knew I married a I thought loser. I married a winner. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you caught the last out of the World Series. Big deal. Um, 
Kyle Tucker is looking for, again, this is his first year of arbitration. You're, he's an all-star. You're not going to immediately get paid like an all-star in the first year of arbitration. He submitted a number of $7.5 for next year. The team, yep. the team came back with $5 million. So it's going to be one or the other. Christian Javier, the two sides are a lot closer. Javier, $3.5 was what he submitted. The team submitted $3 million. So that's where we are with those two. Arbitration is uh, it, <laughs> its both really, really good, but also really, really bad. And that all those things that sometimes are usually happening in a negotiation, which the player doesn't necessarily have to hear the team uh, say all the bad things about you that they... <laughs> that Send they your will. representation to listen to yeah. it. Yeah, you got you to gotta hear that when in arbitration. So, yeah, usually... Like in a negotiation, the team will say to your agent, "Well, like we don't like that he does this, and he's got he's old, and he's got these injuries, whatever." Then your agent goes to you and explains it, and more cushions the blow a little bit, perhaps. Where uh, this, it gets it gets it gets bare fisted, is what it is. Yeah. And I don't, but but that's what negotiations are. So I'm not I'm not concerned about it. Um, because at the end of the day, Kyle Tucker and Christian Javier are going to be on this team right now. Is, is Kyle Tucker going to be upset or peeved to the point where he says, no way, no how will I ever uh, sign before I become a free agent? If he does, then I would I would bet that Kyle Tucker was inclined to do that anyway. You're just kind of wired that way. So I'm not, I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. Kyle Tucker and Christian Javier, just as we already knew, are going to be here next year at a rate to be determined later. Did you, I don't know if you saw any of the, uh, or if you've, if you've read any of the follow-up stories on Correa, um, there was a long interview that Ken Rosenthal did with him this weekend, and I didn't realize this, but the, so the, we know that Carlos Correa agreed to a 13-year, $350 million deal <clears throat> with the Giants, and it ended up getting scuttled because of the physical, and it was an outside doctor. It wasn't a Giants-employed doctor that pointed out the issue with his right ankle. It was an independent physician that pointed that out. So the Giants get a little bit of cold feet, or they were dragging their feet, and Boris, Scott Boris, Carlos's agent, said, well, screw this, we're moving on, we're signing with the Mets. So Carlos signs his deal with the Mets, 12 years, $315 million, and the Mets, same thing happens with the physical, why? They use the same independent physician that the Giants did. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder, like, Boris, you know, Boris is famous for sending these massive binders full of information on his clients out to teams, which I'm, I'm sure teams, like, throw immediately in the dumpster. Like, thanks. I'm Do gonna, you? Yeah. I'm, yes. Well, yeah, I'm going to thumb through, I'm going to thumb through 300 pages of wood fiber paper here for like which i haven't half these executives have never even touched a paper in their life you know nothing but touch screens you think they're gonna sit there and look look through the binder like okay these are a couple of things that are bothering me about boris's handling of this in which uh, okay for one if if the medical issue is no big deal then go ahead and tell everybody what the medical issue is i same this is the same way when guys test positive for steroids and they claim that they didn't actually take anything, but then they won't release like the results of the steroid test or anything. You're allowed, and, and especially if they try to claim medical privacy, because the the individual is allowed to do whatever he wants with his own medical information. So likewise, all right, if the ankle's no big deal, then why don't you give us a little bit more clarity on us, on it, than just telling us, oh. Oh, the sports agent says that it's no big deal. Everybody knows you can trust what a sports agent says. Right. So, sure. I got Bob Sugar telling me not to worry about something. (laughs) Just married Jeannie Buss, by the way. I know. Jay Moore. Yeah. 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 Jay Moore married Jeannie Buss. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Jay Moore is going to be the owner of the Lakers someday. (laughs) 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 That would be fun. (laughs) Um, But... Okay, so give us that information. And then also, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that they brought in their own medical expert to try to to be a, almost like a, a witness for the opposition, I witness guess. for the defense. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you've got your doctors? Okay, we've got ours. Yeah. I got, I got nine doctors here. Nine out of ten doctors say that Carlos Correa's ankle is just fine. Whatever it was, it didn't work. I mean, he wound up signing a six-year deal um, with the – I say it didn't work. I mean, six years, $200 million. <laughs> People looking at this Carlos, they're like, boy, poor guy. I mean, yeah, poor guy. Six years, $200 million. And by the way, 
he's probably going to play more than six years, I would imagine. The original injury, by the way, for those, since we're filling everybody in who might not, I've seen a lot of football people be like, is this how baseball contracts work? What's going on here? Right. Um, he had a fractured right fibula and minor ligament damage in 2014. Yeah. He got surgery in June of that year. And um, that's about the sum of it, unless I've missed something in the last few years or, or last few days. Yep, yep. So, um, so that's yeah. I was surprised. Use the exact same independent doctor. I'm like, okay, were you expecting him to say something different to the Mets? I don't know. All right, um, let's do yeah. uh, let's do some headlines. We got a lot of playoff action to get caught up on. Also, um, it happens to the best of us when it comes to radio, where you have a guest on and you're not totally up to speed on their personal life. And you ask them a question about their personal life. A former Texan was, uh, well, this happened to him on a uh, nationally syndicated radio show. You, you will hear some very awkward audio next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents. Payne and Pendergast. I will get the headlines in just a minute. A lot of football to dig into. Um, Vince Wilfork, uh, former Texan, former New England Patriot, um, great player. Uh, he was on the Dan Lebitard show recently, and they, you know, it's a radio show, but they shoot videos, so you can see Lebitard's got his producer and his sidekick Stugatz, and Vince Wilfork was on the show, and they've got kind of that. Hollywood Square split screen thing going on. And um, they were interviewing Vince Wilfork and Lebitard, who is based in Miami, has known Wilfork for a long, long time, going back to Wilfork's days at the U. Um, so they've known each other for a while. But it's quite evident from um, the audio you're about to hear that they've not kept in close touch maybe over the last year or so, right? Yeah. Um, I will say this before we get to this audio Vince Wilfork looks like he's trimmed down quite a bit. Yeah, we knew that. Remember, we saw him out of training camp. Uh, I know, but he like any, yeah, no, I know he had trimmed up, but like he, but he's still like a heavy guy. Like he, he trimmed down yeah. for a bit, but like he, the shot in that video was just from like the middle of his chest up. Like he's got yeah. a thin face now. He looks really, really good. Yeah, he's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, looks that's, great. Uh, it's um, well, yeah, he's made some changes. Yes, he has. Um, we'll and, see. Like we'll, we'll discuss. And as happens um, sometimes when you uh, make change, you know, when you lose weight, life changes happen. Here was Dan Lebitard asking Vince Wilfork, um, or just bringing up how much he admired uh, Vince Wilfork and how much Vince Wilfork loves his wife, Bianca. I have always enjoyed the way that you talk about your wife and your relationship. You are very comfortable talking about how you met your wife, how much you love her, how important she is to you, and that's the reason that I asked the question. I've always admired that about you, that you, are, you have no problems whatsoever professing your love. Well, the thing is, uh, I got a new wife now. You know, me and Bianca didn't make it. So I moved on. We moved on. It was for the better for both of us. And um, but we are we are real, you know, good friends. You know, we are parents first. And, um, and the love I have for her, I, I have for her. But, you know, my new wife that 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 we just got married, you know, 
October 8th uh, of 2020. And um, I'm happy. So there you go. So Vince will fork happy, but that's an awkward <laughs> moment for Dan Lebitard. <laughs> um, I don't, did you think Vince Wilfork was upset? Not at all. Not oh, at all. Okay. I'm coming all right. at, I thought no, the tease you had said he was upset. No, no, no. I, no, think, I, don't, I don't think uh, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I definitely um, – he, he was, yeah, yeah, he was uh, like it was. Uh, <laughs> I like that he brought up it was in uh, October of 2020. <laughs> so you know, in a while, uh, two Dan. and a half years ago, yeah. <laughs> buddy. <laughs> no, I was I was totally putting myself in the shoes of the host in that instance. Oh yeah, for obvious yeah, yeah. reasons, right? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think Vince was upset at all. He seems real happy in his new marriage. He's probably well, happy that, to talk about it. None of what Levitard said was false. At that point, sure, He's, he always had been very open about talking about his wife Bianca. And then when she, you know, when she was here in Houston, they, uh, you know, they were very. She was very much a part of his charities and everything. Right. Well, and and Le- I was. Well, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Lebetard's co-host Stugatz, instead yeah. of taking up for his guy Lebetard and and trying to help fish the situation out of the fire. Uh, decided to go ahead and congratulate Vince Wilfork on his things, on his new marriage. Things just got a little awkward there. Uh, so let me be the first on this show to congratulate you on the new wife, Vince. Congratulations <laughs> on, on on feeling whole, feeling complete. You know, let's talk tailgating. Yeah, don't be don't don't feel awkward, buddy. You know, uh, Dan, no, I don't. Oh, it's I mean, too Dan late does. for that. It's I much mean, too Dan, late for that. I appreciate I mean, you soothing me. In this regard, but I already feel terribly awkward, and then my teammate comes to my defense with not a question, but just a, just a healthy congratulations, and the further pointing out of that awkwardness because he's always good for me in those spots. I'm also thinking of divorce, Vince, after many, many years, eighteen years, uh, with a partner who does things like that to you. And of course, Levitard, Levitard's referring to his co-host there with the divorce thing. Yeah, that's um. Uh, that, <laughs> Sometimes divorce is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Will Fork was really, really cool about that. Um, he could have, you know, I guess he could have made it awkward, but he was he was promoting his. Are you, well, he's he's been doing something with the barbecue company for a long time, but I guess he's got a show on Food Network. Yeah, that's too. what we're getting a lot of people texting in. He's got a yeah. Food Network show, which I'd imagine has a barbecue theme to it. Do you know what I saw for the first time in my life uh, this weekend? On Friday, I was mm. at a hospital. Uh, Brandy was visiting a friend of hers in the hospital, so I was sitting in the waiting room, and uh, uh, it was diners, drives, and dive-ins and dives. Diners, uh, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah. Yes, diners, drive-ins, and dives. I've never seen that in hold my up, entire hold life. Up. You've never seen that show ever, ever. No, really? no, no. And it, I, I know of it, but I just thought uh, it's never appealed. Well, to me what at did all. you think? What did you? Do? I loved it. Yeah. It, was, it was intriguing. It I, made me want to go on road trips. Yes, all these places. I feel like yeah. that show. I'm surprised you've never seen it. I feel like that shows shows right up your alley. Yeah, that's it's really cool. There's only so many shows I can try. I got other stuff I got to do. No, I hear this you. Is, uh, there's 400 channels uh, at least just on my normal terrestrial cable. There, there are. I mean, you know, Amy and I like to road trip a lot, and we yeah. we make a point. They, I mean, it's a very well archived show. If you go to yeah. the website, you can find you can search on city and pull wherever up the city episode. you're going to, you can find one and, and watch it and then get excited about it. Yes, and go. you know who yeah. is you know who is huge on visiting what he likes to call triple D places. Rich yeah. Lord, Rich Lord. Oh, really? Yes. Anytime oh, okay. he and Jenny travel, he was always like, "Yeah, we looked up triple D," and uh, yeah. he calls it triple D. Um, hey, uh, how do you pronounce? Do you pronounce it Guy Fieri? <laughs> At your own peril. <laughs> what is this supposed to be? Fieri. 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 Okay. Who, hey, I, who, Ben, who Who got corrected at the station about that? Do you me. remember? Oh, it was, it was you. Me. Okay. It was you. Okay. A, a million times. That's why like, he asked. I was, trying, I was trying to do a promo yeah. for them, and I had to recut it like 27 times. Well, then you know the answer. It, <laughs> it was, well, no, but I wasn't sure because it was, I would say, I would do the promo. It was it was for the Super Bowl. That was the worst part of it. It was going to run for like a damn week during the Super Bowl, and that's I think is one of the reasons I've never watched Guy Fieri's show because I had some PR person, re- like repeatedly say like, no, it's not Guy, it's not Guy Fieri, it's Guy Fieri, and I'd say, okay, so Guy Fieri, no, Guy Fieri, okay, so Guy Fieri, no, 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 it's Guy Fieri. It was that bad? It was awful. It was. 
unbelievable <laughs> for like I'm, I probably made like seventy five bucks off the thing. I was doing it more as a favor to 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 Mark Semler, our uh, the, the the sales guy on yep. it, who was probably making a nice little commission on it. Yep. it was. I was so pissed. <laughs> And I've despised Guy Fieri ever since, and for no reason. I watched his show finally, and I was like, "I'll, I'll call you Susan, man. Whatever you want, I'll call you." Did you? Uh, this looks delicious. Did he win you back by having yes. watched that show? What did yeah. I just say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if he won you all the way back. I just know you like the show, so you're you're cool with him now. That's good. It's a good yeah, show. Just that public, these these publicists are make are. These a lot of these celebrities get bad reputations just because their publicists are sons of bitches. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. they're awful. They're all they act like absolute animals, uh, like on behalf of their client who you end up hating because of it. Right. Yeah. Um. Have you had a Lebetard moment that you can remember on the air where you uh, either either asked somebody about something that was awkward or I mean I had one as you know during the pregame show this season where I looked up the wrong Fred Weary on Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. That got <laughs> awkward. That rattled me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I remember, I think I, I introduced Nate Bargetzi as one of my favorite comedians, but I pronounced his name wrong. <laughs> so I was bad. like, oh. I was like <laughs> Nate Bargetzi is he's one of my favorite comedians. Which I, I still said, I, I was, it was embarrassing, but I was, like, I was like, well, it's true. I don't ever like hear you say your name. I'm always just listening to clips on on whatever on YouTube or whatever. It's not like it's not like at the beginning of each of these you say I'm Nate Bargetzi. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, my my other one I had. <laughs> thankfully, this was a recorded interview. Um, but we went ahead and played this anyways because it was funny. This is back when I was at my old station, and I was interviewing. I was doing a recorded interview with Alan Thick. Remember Alan Thick? Yeah. The father on Growing Pains, who is also the the uh, composer and vocalist for several cheesy 80s and 90s sitcom themes. Yeah. Well, also- and, he, and he bore a son with the, uh, the heavy petting song. He did. There. He yeah. did. Yeah. Robin, Robin Thicke is his son. Yeah. So he, did, he had a book that was coming out. And this is back in my old station where John Harris and I used to make a habit of interviewing like old sitcom actors and things like that, like every Friday. So I'm like, oh, cool. We got Alan Thicke. So I'm recording this interview with him. And I think he was promoting a book or a show or something like that. And so I'm doing the introduction. You know, I'm doing the introduction to him where I'm in, 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 I'm introducing him as the father on Growing Pains, an award-winning musician, an award-winning uh, author of books like, and I'm like pausing and I misplaced my notes of the titles of the books that he had written. And there's this awkward pause and he goes, well, I can see you've read them all. <laughs> like, yeah, I misplaced my notes. <laughs> I've read none of them. <laughs> the... um. And we actually played the interview that way. It was more raw. Um, the other one, the other Lebetard-esque situation, as long as we're talking about Rich Lord, I remember this is before I, I think this is before I was co-hosting with Rich. I think I was a listener back then. But he was interviewing Chris Myers, and I think it was the Texan Center, but he thought it was the Fox announcer. So, because there's two Chris Myers, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think... I can't remember if it was one way or the other. I think it was, I think the center for the Texans, Chris Myers, was on the show, and Rich thought it was Chris Myers, the announcer. And so the first two questions are about, like, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I don't know. I just remember it was very, very funny. Wasn't there a moment at the Super Bowl, too? Um, With. uh, with uh, somebody who wasn't in, in sports. or uh, Oh, no, 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 it- no, no, Les Miles. Do we have the old Rich Lord Les Miles somewhere, Ben? Can you follow- find it during headlines? Yeah. No, he asked Les Miles a question in the lead-up to the bowl game one year about Les Miles looking at the Michigan job. He did not like that very much at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was awkward. Um, all right. Um, was, I thought it was – wasn't it Jesse Jackson? Like the, did he no, no, no. That? that was Travis Johnson. Travis, Tra- 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 so we're Travis we're at the Super Bowl. We're at the Super Bowl in New York. This is my first Super Bowl with six ten. So I've been with the company like three weeks, and we're at the Super Bowl. This is before they put Ted Johnson with us. So it was just me and Rich, but we're at the Super Bowl in New York on Radio Row, and Travis Johnson is doing the show with us for a couple of days. That was back when Trap was still doing stuff with the station, yeah. and so he, they had him co-hosting with us on Radio Row because Travis could track down. He knew everybody, so getting guests, yeah. if you had Travis sitting there, he'd just grab people and pull them onto the table. Um, so I'm sitting there, and 
I've got my back to the aisle way. And that's where a lot of the celebrities and people are walking through. And Travis is facing the aisle way. So he's looking over my shoulder, Travis is. And Travis gets this look on his face. We're in segment. We're on the air. And Travis goes, oh, my God, look, it's Reggie Jackson. And I'm like, what? He goes, it's Reggie Jackson. And I turn around. I look over my shoulder. I'm like, Travis, that's Jesse Jackson. (laughs) He goes, oh, I meant Reverend Jackson. Reverend Jackson. And, of course, Travis then goes and grabs Reverend Jackson and sits him down in the chair. And we go to interview him for the next 10 minutes. That's a tough, cold interview. What was was Reggie? What was... You know, the re- you know what, what the, was the Reverend Jackson there for? You, you know what? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, what he, I, I, I say it's a tough interview. He's obviously like he can go. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, you yeah. can, you can, you can just you can probably mention one or two things, and yeah, you can. You're, you're not, you're not going to have dead air, but I I wouldn't know where to begin this. No, and honestly, that's where being that's where co-hosting with Rich Lord really comes in handy because he's really good at that stuff. Rich is yeah. like of coming up with questions on the fly for non-sports people. Yeah. Um, he's really good at that. So I, I, mean, I don't remember the interview having anything awkward about it itself. But if you remember, Seth, that was the Super Bowl. That was the Seahawks. That was the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl. And we were coming off the AFC title game where Richard Sherman like cut that promo on Crabtree yeah. after the game. Yeah. And that was the first like, whoo, like wow, that's a WWE promo moment that got you know that got people worked up in all sorts of different realms back in the day. Um, and so Jesse Jackson had takes on Richard Sherman and the reaction uh, to that and so forth. Yeah, dude, Richard Sherman had a good take the other night, which was oh, it was during the Miami game. <laughs> was, they were talking on the broadcast about how Miami just plays cover zero all the time. Yeah. That's when the that's when is, uh, you don't have any safety help for the cornerbacks. They're just sitting there out there naked on an island. Um, he said he said something along the lines of. Any defensive coordinator that runs cover zero all the time is just being lazy and putting all the work on the players. He should go out and have to practice that and see what it's like and all that. He should be fired immediately. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, (laughs) – That's a strong take. It is. I mean, that is – you know, that was one of Bill Bill Walsh's old philosophies offensively was that he felt it was – it was unfair to players to just constantly put them in situations where you're either going to win the physical battle or you're not. Mm-hmm. Like then, like what are you even doing as a coach? Then all you're doing is you're you're compiling talent and just being you know, just relying on them doing all the work for you. You gotta if you if you care about your players, put them in situations where it's easy to succeed. I could definitely see that being the Bill Walsh view. Um, all right, before yeah. we get to before we get to headlines, we've got Rich. Okay, so let's just pay off on awkward moments on the on the radio. This was a. This is a recorded interview that Rich Lord and I were doing with then LSU head coach Les Miles in advance of the Texas Bowl. Coach, uh, I know you've got a lot on your plate getting ready for this game, and the last thing you needed this week was to answer questions about a possible job change. But it seems like every few years, and I think this is like the third time in the last six or seven years, at this time of year specifically, you've had to say no. I'm not leaving LSU to go to Michigan. I know you played there. I know you coached there. I would imagine heading into the meat of recruiting season, this can be a little troubling at times. Uh-huh. Did he hang up? No. Oh, <laughs> Coach, I, th- I thought I heard a click. I no. thought you really didn't like that question. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, is it, is it, uh, it does, does it become something that, that maybe even makes you Excuse wonder? Excuse me. Do you have to understand? I am preparing for a great bowl game. i got a wonderful team, and I am taking my own time to do this. So you want to continue this interview, then let's do so, and you edit, because this is being taped, and let's go. And don't ask that question. It's one of those things you should have asked me before we got on the air. No problem, Coach. Okay, I'll wait. Yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um... <laughs> Did he hang up? Oh no! I think, I think but the funny thing though was that Rich didn't. I think Rich realized immediately that Les was as pissed as. No, he was. he's follow- he's, he's asking the he's, question again. He's like, oh, oh well, well, let me ask you. Like I just, I didn't realize. <laughs> you must just be upset because we got cut off momentarily or something. Oh my here's god! The, here's the question. It was so funny, man. It was. Um, I did. You know what? I, that reminded me. I did it to Bob Stoops once accidentally. Where I and this is on him. I have no regrets about this. I can't even remember which bowl game we were interviewing him before, um, but it was. I, I basically I made a comment about that, the, the way that season had laid out. They'd had some big games and like elimination type games, and I and I think I must have said like I said big games 
or something, and it triggered something in him where he thought I was like referencing the whole big game Bob uh, insult. And and he got he got super short. the The interview lasted like another ninety seconds, and uh, I felt no regrets over that because I was I was paying him a genuine compliment. Right. Like I, maybe I should have been more. Uh, I, I was paying his team a compliment. I wasn't even. I was talking about his players playing in big games. Yeah, and he got sensitive enough that he had to. He had to think I was taking a shot at him. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Why are you so misunderstood, Seth? Bob Stoops, the XFL, Guy Fieri's oh, yeah, the XFL publicist. <laughs> Who's the last one? Guy Fieri's publicist. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're literally misunderstood. They can't understand the way you're saying his name. You know what her problem was? What? The publicist? Was she she had, she had was bad at phonetic spelling. She I, I finally realized after a while, and I was going back and like listening to different broadcasts, and, by, and, and a lot of people referring to him as Guy Fieri. That was confusing me. Um, but, uh, yeah, that she just couldn't spell it. She spelled it phonetically way wrong. So I'm like looking at the phonetic spelling, and she's saying it. And I'm trying to combine the two somehow. If you ever get to meet him in person, you need to find out if he fired that publicist and tell him that story. And then tell him how much you love his show. Well, I'll tell him I didn't watch it for 10 years. He missed out on, uh, you know, well, nothing, actually. <laughs> I've never had a Nielsen meter in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 